And welcome to Reim Ahuvim. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. I am so happy you are joining me today on jrootradio.com, where you can hear us online, on the phone, on the app. There are so many ways to listen to us. Thank you for joining me today. Okay, today, live show. Yes, we are here. I am actually here January 14th. If you're hearing this on Monday night, then uh, it's not live, but I very much feel it is worth it for you, Bez Hashem, to listen to us because it's going to be a very, very important class. Okay, what we do here is we try to help you connect, sometimes reconnect with your spouse through skills, tools, which we all really are basing this on the Torah. And of course, we include the latest forms of psychology, social sciences, etc. But you know, I always like starting the show by saying that it's all in the Torah. It really is all in the Torah. And if we and if we just base our marriage on the Torah's expectations of us, you will see that Be'ez Hashem, your marriage, as good as it is, will you become even better. Now, today, what I want to talk about, what I want to start talking about, is as follows. I'll tell you something interesting, like this. Many times, I talk about. I talk about the following. I talk about marriage takes a lot of work. It's a lot of work. You can't just, you know, get married. Oh, Mazel Tov, you know. Wow, a couple so excited, a chassan and a kalas. It'd be an amazing marriage. And we went to like this marriage chassan class or a kala class. I, that's it, you know. Once we got, got the chassan shmuz, the kala shmuz, that's it. Now we know. We try whatever we do. Of course, Shana Rishona. Shana Rishona is very hard. A lot of trials and tribulations. We find out how different we are from each other, how we're so unlike each other. But eventually, we get it right. Is, doesn't that the way? Isn't that the way it works, Rabbi Greenfield? Where eventually you get it right. Once you get your marriage right, and then it just flows. Aren't there, aren't there happily married couples out there? <laughs> Funny question, no? Aren't, well, maybe you're one of them. Maybe you're one of the happily married couples, right? Very happily married. How does that work? Once you achieve a certain shlemus, once you sort of understand each other, know each other, what, know what to say, what not to say, how to react, how not to react, then how does that work? Like once, once you got it, you got it. Is that the way it works? That once you got it, you got it, and you could be happy, you could live happily ever after? Or does it take a lot of work, meaning where every day it's a lot of work? Every day it's more and more and more work. Are there marriages that just have this beautiful marriage because they sort of figured each other out, they go into a certain routine and then they have a beautiful marriage. Doesn't really, it's, you can sort of like go on autopilot. Just go on autopilot. Like right now, I'm talking to you, right? What are you doing? Are you in the kitchen? Are you in the car? Are you thinking of every little move you're making? Are you thinking, let's say you're in the car, you're thinking of making a right, making a left, a signal. Once you start driving, you start driving. You don't think about it anymore. It just, you know, it just happens. Of course, once in a while you start thinking about it. And it's, as a matter of fact, it's so dangerous because sometimes you could get distracted and you're on your phone and this and that. I got a story for you, actually. I got a really good story for you soon about the phone. Wait for later for that. But in any case, like those of you in the kitchen right now, you're preparing, for, you're preparing for Shabbos, right? Ladies, you're preparing for Shabbos. Uh, are you thinking about how much salt and sugar and this? You do this every year of Shabbos. You, you know, Thursday you do this. You get ready for Shabbos. You know, this is what you do. Like, do you think about it? Doesn't, doesn't, it can't marriage be the same where you could just get to a certain point where you say, okay, that's it. My marriage is good now. Let's see, Robert Green, oh, Robert Greenfield's show is on marriage. I, I don't have to listen to him anymore because <laughs> I got it. I know exactly what to do. I'm fine. I always say, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Marriage takes a lot of work every day. Every day. It takes a lot of avod, a lot of cognitive discipline to think, okay, my wife, my husband, how could I make her happy? How can I make him happy? What's bothering her? What's bothering him? What can I do to connect? What can I do to have dvekas in our marriage? What can I do to have shlemus in our marriage? How, what can I do today? Not there's no such thing as well. We oh yeah, we we figured our marriage like 15 years ago, and now we're good. We're a great couple. No no no. Every day it takes a lot of avoda. Ask any happily married couple. Every day it takes a lot of avoda. I know that might sound a little scary to some of you who are listening to this because then you're gonna say, Ever Greenfield, you mean it never gets easy? Like it's always so 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 hard, especially for the young couples. I have a lot of young couples who 
tell me that. They're like a little scared. Like, you mean it's always so hard? Not that it's always so hard. There's a difference between hard and work. It's a little difference. Hard means, okay, what do I, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. Like in this relationship, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. I cannot say anything. I cannot do anything. I have to think a million times. It's very, very hard for me. And walking on eggshells is not a bad thing, by the way. It's a very good thing in a marriage. But you're going to see that once you plug in to the right skills and tools, both you and your husband, you and your wife, once you plug in to the right skills and tools, you're going to see that it's going to get much easier because you're sort of like, it, beca it becomes part of your routine. But nonetheless, there still has to be a lot of work and a lot of cognitive discipline. Even though I know this sounds paradoxical, but it gets easier, but you still have to think, what can I do today? Did I say good morning to my wife? Did I ask her how she slept last night? Did I compliment her this morning? Did I, tell, did I text her during the day or call her and ask her if she's okay? Tell her that I'm thinking about her every day, again and again and again. And uh, honestly, it does start with the men. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, men. It starts with the men. The Torah's understanding of a marriage is that the man is the giver, the woman is the receiver. Throughout, that's how it is in Kedushin when you gave your wife the ring. And that's how it's supposed to be throughout the marriage. It really should start from you. You, you initiate every day. Your wife's emotional gas tank empties out every night. Yes, every night. I said it on the air. It empties out every night, and the next morning you have to refill her emotional gas tank. How are you? How did you sleep? Can I get you something? Can I help you? I'm in a little rush this morning, so I don't think we're going to be able to spend so much time. How about we spend time this evening? Is that okay? I'd love to spend time with you. I'm waiting to spend time with you. That's the way you talk in a marriage. That's the way you talk in a marriage. I'm like, not saying good morning, running to the bathroom, getting ready, leaving the house, no nothing, bye, bye, see you, bye. What is this? What is this? And by the way, I'm not just talking to the men, I'm talking to the ladies as well. I'm talking to the ladies as well. To appreciate when your husband is paying attention to you, to possibly remind your husband sometimes, I know how busy you are. We haven't been really spending so much quality time lately. If we, if we can arrange something, that'll make me really happy appreciating your husbands. Thank you for going out to work. Thank you for learning with the kids. Thank you for filling up gas in my car. Thank you for thinking about me. Thank you for just being you. Everybody wants appreciation. There's not a person in the world doesn't appreciation. I actually, oh boy, I want to tell you the story right now, but it, I'm really saving it for later. So how do we know, how do we know that marriage takes so much work and every day? Is that in the Torah? So I got to tell you something very interesting. And like this, I recently, okay, so I'm planning, I, I've been talking to you about this forever, I know. A lot of you are thinking, Rabbi Griefel, you told me, I was like, it's going to be ready, what's going on? Okay, so I, I've had workshops in the past, I've had live workshops in the past, marriage workshops, and we try to make it as comprehensive as possible, integrating every, you know, all the Torah aspects, the skills, the tools, psychological aspects, etc. Baruch Hashem, people want to know when the next one's going to be. Okay, we'll talk about it, the live ones. But what I'm really working on right now, people keep on asking, do you have CDs? Do you have CDs? Do you have CDs? So I'm working on compiling a CD or MP3 audio workshop as comprehensive as possible, covering from, you know, from the Aleph to Tuff, everything, also, you know, some soup to nuts about marriage, really putting it together, and I'm putting together an, a, a beautiful uh, supplemental workbook together with it. It's taking me time. The reason it's taking me time is very simple. is because I just want it to be really, really good. I, I, I know that, you know, doing it, a lot of people are going to listen, they're going to follow it, and I just want it to be right to the T. Maybe I'm being a little bit OCD about this, but you know what? I just want it to be really, really good, and that's why it's taking me time, and I'm almost done, Bez Hashem. So uh, the other day, the other day I went for, uh, you know, when you do something, whenever you're doing something, you want to get brachas, you know, you want to get brachas from G'daylem. So I had this chus of, of meeting with Ruven Feinstein, and I, and I sat with him, and I was talking to him about what I'm planning to do, and he gave me a bracha. He was very happy, very happy. And then he says to me, did you ever hear my, the, the shmuz that I give chasanim, his, his marriage shmuz? I said, no, if, if, if Shiva, you know, tell me how we're here to get it, I'd love to get it. So he actually went and he gave me his marriage shmuz. And he's like, listen to this, maybe you get some ideas. And you know something? I, I, I did listen to it. I did listen. And I heard something. I heard many fascinating things, which I want to share with you today. 
So a lot of the stuff that I'm doing today is from Ruven Feinstein, Shlita Hagad Ruven Shlita, who's those of you who don't know, was, was you know the Gadol Adar's son, you know Moshe Feinstein's Atzal, his his son, and who's and, and Ruven is a guy in Atzim himself. So he has this tremendous, tremendous marriage moves. It's on CD, and I'm listening to this, and on it. He says, like, he just starts off answering this exact question. How do we know that marriage takes so much work every day? How do we know that it takes so much work? What do we see it in the Torah? So he speaks about a very f- popular Dvar Torah. If you've been to Sheva Brachis, you've heard this Dvar Torah. It's a Gemara in Saita, right? Daf Yud the comments that, that if, if a man and a wife have shalom between them, then the Shekhinah, which means Hashem's presence, resides within them. Now, if, if a husband and a wife, they do not have peace between them, then a fire consumes them. In other words, if you have a peaceful marital home, that's a conduit for bringing the Shekhinah down. Now, we all know, right? If you have shalom bias, the Shekhinah comes to your house. Now, if you don't, then it's like a fire. So Rashi... He explains what the Gemara is saying. Rashi explains that the word that the Gemara uses, right? In Lashon HaKodesh, the, the word for a man, Ish, Aleph, Yuchin. The word for a woman is Isha, Aleph, Shin, Hey. Now, both the words Ish and the word Isha have the letters Aleph and Shin, which, which spells out Ish, fire. However, the man has a Yud and the woman has a Hey. So if the man and the woman, they do what they're supposed to do in the house, and they connect, and they mervater, and they bring shalom bayis into their house, what happens is the and the hey connect, which forms Hashem's name, which is Yudke, and together, and it's expressed in its full, fullest. And then you have peaceful, peace and harmony in the house, and you have the shechina at home. Beautiful Dvar Torah. Rebruvain explains like this beautifully. What does he explain? He says, and it's Shaykh, he got, got it from, 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 from Rav Moshe, I don't remember. He explains that you have to understand something very interesting. Why is it that in this Dvar Torah, with Marseita, the name for, that's used for HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Yud and the He, Yud K, which is probably the shortest name of Hashem, Yud and He, right? Why, why that name? Hashem has many names. Why not another name? Maybe a bigger name, a, a more expansive name, because this particular name of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, if it's, it brings down from, 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 from the Tzipah of Amalekim, different type of thing, that it's not the most, whatever, expansive name. There are other names that we refer to Kaddish Baruch Hu, which has much more, you know, obviously we're not going to understand the names of Kaddish Baruch Hu, and there's no way I'm going to explain you this, because I don't know this myself. But, but as far as the Yud there are other names of Kaddish Baruch Hu, names Rachmanis, much more vast names, much more impactful names of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Why is it the Yud and the Ken? He explains like this. He says, because when it comes to marriage, if you want to reach real shlemus and real dveikus in your marriage, you're going to have to work very hard. Yes, you might form some shalom bias in your house, and you might bring the shechina in the form of yud k. But if you want other names of a kaddish baruch yud k vav k, other names of a kaddish baruch which are much more impactful, a stronger a stronger dose of kedusha in your house, that requires work. Very, very hard work on a daily basis. And this is not something that we can achieve in one shot and just say, okay, that's it. I got a good marriage. That's it. I'm okay with my wife. I'm okay with my husband. And we're good now. Rabbi Greenfield, I'm good. I hear you on the, I hear you on the radio, online, on the app. And I listen to you for a couple of seconds because, you know, I don't, need, I don't need any more marriage direction. Nothing. We're good. No, it doesn't work like that. Maybe you don't have to hear me anymore because you know all the skills and tools. But regardless... The work is there every day. Every day you wake up and, okay, let's work. Let's work for Shlemus. Let's work for Dveikis. But Rabbi Ginfield, why should I do it? Why should you do it? <laughs> why should you do it? Why should you do it? Because there's probably nothing as important in, in your life as Shalom Bayis. If you don't have Shalom, if you do not have, if you're married and you don't have Shalom Bayis, so what are you doing? You're a steer of You're going out of color and you're learning all day. But you have no shalom bias. I'm not take, trying to take it from you. Chas shalom. 
but you have no shalom bias. It's all for shalom. We spoke about the Rambam. There's the whole Torah. Then of Hilchas Chanukah, he explains that what? Of course you choose Ner Shabbos over Ner Chanukah because the whole Torah is all for shalom. You know, I was listening this past week was Rishchadish Benching, right? I'm trying to find it over here just to, to quote it exactly. So we had Rishchadish Benching and uh, let's see if they have that. I have a Svardi sitter here in the studio so I'm just like trying to find this. Here we go. All right. So what happens is what happens is, boy, the Svardim out there, I'm looking at this. Your Rishchidosh mentioned is a little bit different than ours. Okay, fine, fine. Anyways, what do we see? The first thing, when we, when we dying for Kodesh for a good month, right? What is it that, that we're asking for, right? So we see, I'm looking at the Ashkenaz ones, look at the Svardi one. L'chayim u'l'shalom, l'chayim u'l'shalom. First thing, chayim is life, shalom is peace. So you have life, and then there's peace. And everything else, what do I mean? Uh, shalom. But Shalom's right, right in the beginning. Shalom. We see today, davening, right? At the end of davening, what do we say? You say halacha every day. Those of you in the Sikhs you said halacha. Every, what's the halacha that you said? Again, shalom, there's nothing as important as shalom. So this work is not just important, it is pivotal that we have shalom in our houses. Very hard, very, very hard to every day have a lot of this work. Now, he says something. I want to share something with you. I think it's so beautiful. This is really, I have to say, I have, you know, I was listening to this, this marriage that, 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 that Reuven is giving, and it's something very interesting. And that is many people, many couples, you might find this in your relationship. <coughs> it, might be, it might be in your relationship, though. Uh, many couples, during their marriage, they, get, they start becoming very religious, very from, meaning, okay, they were shy with and mitzvahs when they got married, and later on, also they, start, they get more from, they get more from, maybe they're, maybe they're davening vesikin, maybe, maybe they're learning a, a, a extra, ex, they're going to extra shiurim, and they're doing something extra. Now, many, many times, this is true more by the ladies than by the men. Someone actually told me there was a good article written about this, and I haven't seen it. Maybe you want to text it to me. That what? That it seems like throughout the course of marriage, what happens is, is that many ladies, men also, but it seems like more of the trend by the ladies to get more religious than to get than the men. To get more from, to be more dirty. <clears throat> with different things where women necessarily, where they didn't daven, you know, X amount of times a day, they start davening, they're davening longer, they're reading svarim, which is an amazing, amazing thing. It's an amazing, amazing thing. But sometimes their husbands are not catching up with it. So, ladies, you're listening to this. Maybe you start, you start to become very from, and you're and you're connecting, and you're learning halachos, and you're going to shiurim, and this and that, and your husband's really not on the same page, and it bothers you. Like, why is he not on the same page? And it could work the other way around, where gentlemen, where you're moving ahead in your yiddishkeit, and and you feel like, why isn't my wife like my wife doesn't daven at all? Like, she davens like a little bit in the morning. I, I don't understand. Like, you know. And what happens is you have expectations from your spouse where you'll go to your spouse and you'll tell them, like, excuse me, you know, like, why don't you daven? Why don't you daven mincha with a minion? I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. And technically you're right. He should be davening mincha with a minion and he's not davening with a mincha minion. So you might have expectations of him and say to him, you know, you have to daven with a mincha with a minion. Like, Hello? Right? Or you say to your wife, like, you don't daven at all. Like, what's the deal? I thought you have to daven one time a day at least. Or to tell your wife, well, like, what's what you're wearing? I mean, it's just it's like almost by the knee. Like, it's not, you know, like, it's, I don't think it's really proper. Like, nobody really wears that anymore. Why are you wearing that? I don't stand. <clears throat> and you have these expectations from your spouse. Both ways. Men to women and women to men. And you'll, you'll tell your spouse, you have to do this. This is what Hashem wants from you. Rebruving says beautiful. You know what he says? And I was listening to this. And I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. Rebruving. Today says this. What does he say? He says that in marriage, there's really no place to use halacha as leverage to control your spouse. That's not, I'm not, he doesn't say any of those words, but that's basically what he was saying. That what? He was saying that, he says that whoever you married, when you married them, 
how from were they when you married them? Did they daven only? They daven two times a day. They daven mincha with a minion. Did they uh, at the time? This, by the way, goes true for chumis as well. This goes for chumis. Did they eat yashan or not eat yashan? Chal v'israel, not chal v'israel. How were they when they got married? Whatever level. Obviously, we're not talking about basic, basic, you know, halachas. And it seemed like he was even, you know, he was saying basic, basic, basic stuff. Shem Shabbos, Kashris, Tarsamishpacha. But then there are certain things like, okay, he didn't necessarily die with a minion. Die with a minion. You have no right, he says, to go to your husband and to say to him, you, you have to go with a minion. That's between him and Kaddish Baruch Hu. Now, that doesn't mean that it shouldn't bother you. And it doesn't mean you can't talk to him about it. But to go to him and to say to him, I don't understand, you have to die with a minion. Why die with a minion? It's Kaddish Baruch did he daven mincha with a minion when you got married to him? No? Oh, okay. So if he didn't get married, if he didn't daven mincha with a minion when you got married to him, you can't have any more expectations, Ruvain says. Now, again, I'm not saying there are different cheaters. You might ask, you're of your opposers and different things. But I think everybody would agree. It's not your place, ladies or gentlemen, gentlemen, I'm talking to you as well, to come over to your wife and to tell her, well, you're dressed in that type of way that you, you mean, you're Bas Yisrael. You can't dress like that. You're a Bas Yisrael. You're a Bas Yisrael. It sounded from like what he was saying that even in a situation where your wife is wearing something where, ugh, man, not that it's not Sanua, but it's like questionable, you know, it's over the knee when she sits down, this and that. You don't have the right to come over to her and to demand her to stop because of halacha. How did you marry her? When you married her, was that the way she was dressed? Well, if that the way she was dressed when you married her, you can't have any more expectations of her, Zakhruvain. You can't have any more expectations of her. That's how you married her. That's how you married her. Obviously, I'm not talking again. We're not talking about you know the nido tars mishbacha. Not talking about that. But this type of thing, you don't have a right. So now the men who are listening to me, or the ladies who are listening to me, might be feeling very uncomfortable about this, and they're going to say, Rabbi Greenfield, one second, one second, Rabbi Greenfield that I'm supposed to ignore it? I'm supposed to just ignore it? If my husband completely stopped dominating with a minion now, he's, you're right, Robert Greenfield, I'm listening to you, Richard. This is like, I, I just stopped in my kitchen because I'm listening to you. It's very true that my husband, that like, you know, he, he doesn't dominate with minyanim. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, he, he really stopped, doesn't dominate with minyanim and like, I don't think it's right or he's not learning, not this, not that. Like, what do I do with my husband? I can't talk to him about it? Ladies, I'm not saying not to talk about it. There are ways of talking to your husband. There are ways of talking to your wife. We've discussed this on previous shows. I could give, I'd give you a little tidbit of what we, the way we speak to our husband, the way we wife. First of all, ladies, remember, you have leverage over your husbands with one particular thing. I don't care who you're married to. Your husband wants to make you happy. I, I, again, I, I'm not sort of positive. I know for sure. Your husband wants to make you happy. Oh, not my husband. No, no, maybe he gave up. But he still wants to make you happy. So if you go to your husband and say to him, you know, I know how difficult it is for you during the day. And I know, you know, it's really not in my business. But for me, I don't know why it's just something means a lot for me. And I know how busy you are, meaning you cut off the alarm. See, cut off his alarm system. Be his friend. Don't attack him. You're with him on this. Cut off his alarm system. If you can, A, accept rejection. If you can't do it, I understand. And then you could go for the juggler, as they say. Then you could make the request. But this is how you make the request, ladies. You say to your husband, it'll make me so happy. It'll make me so happy if, you know, I don't know, one day a week, maybe you could dab a mincha with a minion, you know. In your mind, you're thinking, I don't understand, this guy's not with a minion? Like, I don't get it. Now, I am sure that Rubin would agree with me that even if when you got married to him, and I believe that we'll speak to him about this. Even if you got married to him, and when you got married to him, he was davening mincha with a minion, unquestionably, now if he's not davening the mincha with a minion, to go over him to say to him, what do you mean you're not davening the mincha with a minion? What do you mean? I, I don't understand. You're not davening the mincha with a minion. What do you mean? When we got married, davening mincha That's not going to help him. That's not motivating him. He's not going to walk away from that conversation and say, you know what? You're right. When we got married, I always have a mincha with a minion, and now I'm not. So I should. No, no, I feel controlled by you. Who are you to tell me? That's how your husband is going to feel. Who are you? Instead, use the honey. Don't sting him. Use the honey. Trust me, it'll work much, much, much better. Are now you're within your right? Actually, now that I'm speaking about with you, I'm thinking about what Rav Ruvain said. 
this is what he said. He said that if you married a person, and when you marry with him, he was at a certain level of frumkite, you have a taina later on. Not when you're going to come to him and give a taina. You have a taina later on. So if chas v'shalem is something that means so, so much to you, and you've tried every way of speaking to him, and you went to Rabbanim and this and that, you're within your right, a taina. And I think you're going to get divorced on this. But you have a right. You could go over to a rav, tell him this is the way he got it. But to talk to him that way, that's not going to work. So two things. First of all, if this is the way you married him, this is the way you married him. You really have no tightness on him, period, the end. This goes for the ladies. It goes for the men. If you married your wife, that's the type of skirt you wore that was, you know, was halakhically acceptable. It was just over the knee when she sits down, this, that, the other thing. But you know what? That's the way she was when she was married. Reuven says, that's it. You, have no, you can't know tightness. You want to speak to your spouse about it? So ladies, I'm telling you how to speak to your, to your husband. You say to him, I know how hard it is for you. I know how busy you are. If you can't do this, I understand. But if you could have a mincha with a minion, it just make me happy. It's a silly thing for me. It makes me happy. Be careful because this is Torah issues. Be very, very careful. If it turns him off and he rejects it, I wouldn't go there with him. I wouldn't go there with him. You could speak to his rav. You could speak to maybe, you know, speak to his rav. You could speak to his rav. If he really bothers you, maybe speak to his rav. Maybe learn some halachas with him. But, to pressure him, it's not going to work. It's between him and a Kaddish Baruch It's not going to work. Though I will tell you, honestly, from my experience, if you speak loving, motivate him, don't pressure him, ask him to do it for you, and when he does it, tell him, I'm happy I made you, many, many times it does work because he does not feel controlled. You know what he feels? He feels that he's making you happy. And ladies, don't forget this piece. Thank your husband. Thank your husband. Say to him, thank you. I, you don't know what it means to me. It's a silly thing, but the fact that I saw you going down with me and say, to me, it means a lot. It means a lot to me. But not to control your husband. Not to control your husband. And if this doesn't work, if you listen to me right now, be careful. This is a big disclaimer here. I put a lot of disclaimers on the show. If this doesn't work with your husband, let it go. If you do not believe me, go to any rough, any paisik, any guddle. It's not your place. Let it go. Go. Let it go. You want to think of different ways to do it? Maybe speak to a gadol. Speak to a rav. Speak about how you can motivate him, but don't speak to him about it. It's turning him off. Don't speak to him about him. Men, same thing. Men, same thing. I know you don't want to hear this. I know you don't want to hear this, but same thing. I'm talking about your wife is going kehalacha. She's going think things kehalacha. It's the questionable things. Questionable, right? Yes, maybe not. Speak, this is the way you got married to her. You got married to her. This is the way that she was when she got married. What are you expecting now? You have no tinas on her. You have you really have no tinas. Rabbi Greenfield, it bothers me. I, I would love it if my wife would wear a longer skirt. Okay, you love it if your wife would wear a longer skirt. So with you, by the way, by the way, I would say be much more careful. Much, much more, more careful. The Gemara says, that, 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 that a woman's heart could be broken very easily. Marnida, right? You'd be very careful. Your wife is very, very sensitive. You tell her, oh, by the way, you know what you're wearing is not Tzaniyas. What? What? You could say to her when she's wearing something long, you know, I really like that on you. You look great in that. There's nothing wrong with saying that to your wife. So now she'll want to wear that because she got a compliment when, you wore, when she wore this particular item. So she likes the compliments. She feels appreciated. She feels like, wow, compliments from my husband. So now it motivates her to wear the longer thing. It just motivates her. It's, it's a much easier process. You want to fight with your wife? Is that what you want to do? Because technically speaking, you know, most of the people who are listening to this, what she's doing is probably kihalacha. It's kihalacha. So you're going to ruin your shalom bias because of this? Is that what you're going to do? You're going to ruin your shalom bias? That's why we're saying here. What we're saying here is that marriage takes a lot of work. And Rebruvain says that if you married someone at a certain level of frumkite, you have no tainus later. You have, that's what you married. Don't come with tainus later on. Obviously, again, those of you just listening, we're not talking about the you know, basic, important halakas, nida, shabbos, kashas. Talking about, you know, chumris, minhagim, questionable things, v'chulu. And maybe even, maybe even like, Minor halachis, maybe even minor halachis. Meaning, when I say that, maybe even minor halachis, I'm talking about where you can't come with a taina. You can't come with a taina. Now, obviously, you're going to want your spouse to keep the basic halachis, to keep the basic halachis. They have chiyuvim keeping halachis. So, you want to ram it down the throat? 
Well, I don't understand. How come you're not dominating with a minion? I don't understand why you're wearing that skirt. You know when you sit down, it's not sneers. I don't understand why, uh... I don't understand why you daven every day after Zman Fila. I don't I don't understand why why you, you're missing Kriya Shema. You're waking late. I don't understand. You have Kriya Shema. I don't understand. Isn't a chief you daven Kriya Shema? I don't get it. That's the way you're talking to your spouse. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. Try to motivate them. Try to motivate them. Try to compliment them. Try to be loving to them. That works so much better. And if that doesn't work, let it go. Let it go. And if it's something that's like a serious halacha, speak to a rav, speak to a posek. Don't rely on this on this, this shmuz. Speak to a rav and a posek, and you're going to see most of the time they'll tell you, let it go. And especially if that's the way you married the person, they're going to tell you, let it go. It's between him and a kaddish baruch hu. It's 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 mili dishmaya, mili dishmaya. This is a gemara. He brings out a beautiful gemara that says, who's in charge of what in the house? Who's in charge? What are you in charge of? What are you in charge? What's the lady in charge of? What's the man in charge? Do we have separate roles? Mar says, when it comes to mili dishmaya, when it comes to things of ruchniyastik nature, ruchniyastik decisions of where to go, what to do, halachis v'chulu, the man should be versed in Torah. He should know mili dishmaya. He should know you know halachis v'chulu, and he should guide his house when it comes to ruchniyastik types of things. He should be guiding his house. When it comes to mili debesa, when it comes to issues that have to do with the house, household things, that's the woman's domain. So she, right, she, she, and a woman, he explains, a woman has a certain bina, a certain understanding when it comes to moods, emotions, etc. So if your wife says to if your wife says to you, gentlemen, your wife says to you, Okay, now the mechanchim who are listening to this might not like to hear this. But, okay, I'm saying it anyways. If your wife says to you, you know, I've been watching our son or our daughter, and I see that she's very, very emotionally down. Very, very, very emotionally down. And, 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 and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, your wife says to you, I think our daughter needs your attention. You haven't really spending time with her. She's becoming a teenager. She's getting involved with other friends. I, I really feel that she needs a healthy relationship with you. She has to bond with you. She tells you that. And so what do you want me to do? I, I think you have take her out for a coffee. Take her out for a coffee. Spend some time with her. But how am I going to do that? How am I going to take my daughter out? Like, what do you mean? Not, you know what? Call the school. In middle of school, yeah. Call the school, figure out some time. Maybe you could take her out early from school. Maybe you could take her out. Take her out early from school. You have not been spending time with her. She'll be missing some English, whatever it is. Trust me. Take her out. Spend some time with her. It's important. You don't know what you're talking about. No, this is Mili de Besa. She knows what she's talking about. You listen to your wife, what Ruvain says when it comes to this, because she, this is merely the basis. She knows, she knows. The only question, the only question about you know, what to do, what not to do, what sometimes you want to negotiate together, that's Mili de Alma. Mili de Alma is a whole different story. But when it comes to Mili de Besa, when it comes to relationships, and you know where we see this is true? We see it in the Torah. It's beautiful. We actually see it in the Torah by Avram and Sarah. And by Yitzchak and Rivka. Where do we see by Avram and Sarah? By Avram and Sarah, where Sarah told Avram Avinu that she, she feels that Yishmael should leave the house because he the thing with the arrows, he almost not, not, Yishmael didn't want to kill he didn't want to kill Yitzchak, but he was shooting arrows and she felt that just something was wrong here. She felt something was very 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 wrong. Now he was saying in a certain sense that's Mili Dishmaya because something that that Avram Avinu could decide himself. But it was in it was sort of tied in with Mili de Besa where she felt a certain emotional aspect about Yishmael. So she felt that it might not be a good idea that he's together with Yitzchak. That's the way it's explained. That's the way it's explained. Or or Rivka and Yitzchak. Where where Rivka realized that Esav is no good. Yitzchak thought, what do you mean? Esav, okay, I, he thought that Esav wasn't the best person, but he thought that, you know, he's working, he has a strong Yitzhara, this and that. But Rivka thought, he, he's, he's a bad person. It was her own son, but she thought, he, he his Yitzhara took him over. She loved him, I'm sure she loved him, she loved all her children, and I'm sure she felt terrible. You know, people think that Rivka, you know, 
Esav. It was her son. I mean, you have children. You love your children no matter what. But she felt it's just, if you're going to give the brachis, it, it, it's got to go to Yaakov. It's not going to go to Esav. Something's wrong. Yitzchak didn't chap that. This was Mili de Besa. So it's funny because when it comes to Sarah and Avram, Sarah speaks to Avram about it. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Avram Avinu to listen to her voice. But when it comes to Rivka and Yitzchak, there was a different type of relationship. She wouldn't speak to him about this. She had a certain covet to him. She had a certain... I'm sure they, you know, maybe we don't know. They spoke about it. They didn't speak about it. But it wasn't like a challenge. She was going to challenge him. She set it up in a way where he sort of realized it himself. She used her bina to set it up where he realized himself until he said, fine, you're right. The brachas goes to Yaakov, not to whatever. When Asaph came later on, he said, whoever I gave the brachas, do the brachas go to? You see, this is all from the Torah, ladies and gentlemen. We have this all in the Torah. Just follow what the Torah says. That what? Certain things we have to respect our spouse. If you're going to talk to me about relationship issues, if you're going to talk to me about things in the house, if you're going to talk, about, if you're going to, talk to me about what our child needs, what our son needs, what our daughter needs, for those of us who have children, and your wife says to you, and I really feel you're, you, you know, if you could sit and learn with your son, I'm telling you, it'll, it'll help him. It's important for his emotional development. No, it's not important. What do you mean? He learns in yeshiva. What I have to learn with him? I have to learn with my son? But she's telling you, no, if you learn with him, What's going to happen is you're going to bond with him. It's important for him to spend time with his father. These are merely the baser. It's important. Okay, fine. By the way, this goes true. He actually goes on further and he says, this goes true, Ruben says, this is true for chumris. This is true for many chumris. A husband takes upon himself chumris. He doesn't eat yashin anymore. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't, uh, certain chumris, this and that. You know, he wants to wash at a certain time. Taking chumris? Oh, you're taking chumris? You cannot expect your wife to do that too. If she wants to take those chumras, fine. But if you're going to infringe on her life, you cannot force her to take your chumras, Ruvain says. So what do you mean? I want my wife to take the chumras. Speak to her nicely. Ask her nicely. Maybe she will. She'll love to do it. He goes so far as to say, and what I'm about to say, this Ruvain clearly says this. And I was shocked that he says this. Shocked that he says this, but it's true. And you speak to your own rough, your own posting. Maybe he'll say different, but again, the point I'm getting to is the same. He says what? He says, even when it comes to minhagim, people think that you marry someone, so you have to go according to your husband's minhag. It's a good thing to go according to your husband's minhag. He says, you don't have to. You don't have to. If you want to go according to your old minhag, he says, if you want to go according to your, your, own, your old minhag, you can. Now, obviously, it's not... We're not talking about what you should do. I mean, if you want Shalom Bayis, obviously you want to go according to your husband's minute. There's no question about it. Otherwise, you're going to get upset. I'm telling you right now, your husband's going to get upset. Don't go there. The reason I'm doing, saying this to you, because I heard this in a share from Ruvain, and, and he says, too, don't use halacha as leverage in your relationship. I'll just say this again. Do not use halacha as leverage in your relationship to tell your husband or tell your wife, oh, you got to do this. This is my minute. Or you got to do this. My chumrah. You got to do this. No, no. Say to them. This is what I did in my home, if it's okay. Now, your children, he says, your children definitely 100% have to go according to the father's minute. Have to go according to the man's minute. That's what he says. But your wife, she can elect. She can elect. I, everybody does it. Of course, it's the right thing to do. Shalom bayis, v'chulu. But if some minute that she wants to do privately, she's nusach's fire, and she wants to dive in privately in her own old nusach, she could technically do that. That's what Ruvain says. Again, you might have a Paisik or a Rav that says different. I heard this from Mashiach, from a Ruvain, and I heard this this morning. And I was like, I was shocked. I was really shocked. But this is not about halacha. The point is, and this is really the point. Don't walk away from here. Is it true or not true? Walk away from this shear thinking to yourself, okay, it's true. I cannot use halacha as leverage in my relationship. I can't use Torah as leverage in my relationship. I can't go to my wife and say to her, you are not allowed to wear that. Or tell my husband, you are not allowed to, you, you're not allowed to have a day without davening mincha. You didn't daven mincha today. You're a shegit. We can't use that as leverage. If you married him that way, you might have tightness. But the point is, speak to your spouse in a loving way motivate them. Don't control them. You're not going to get anywhere by control. Motivate them. Ladies, the way you motivate your husband, cut off the alarm system, accept rejection, tell him how happy it'll make you with A, B, C, and D. And if he doesn't do it one day or two days or three days, wait a little bit and ask him again. Don't get upset. Don't get all aggressive and attacking. It's not going to work. Just be nice and loving with him. And when he does it, 
put him on a pedestal and make him like he's like Moshe Rabbeinu. Trust me. Just tell him how happy it made you. That's all he needs to hear. He just wants to make sure, he just wants you to be happy. Men, compliment your wives when they're doing the things that you like. So she's wearing something that you like, compliment her. Say to her, wow, I really like the one when you wear that type of thing. It's really nice. It's beautiful and you look so elegant. Compliment your wife. Compliment your wife. Tell her when she's doing things that, you know, you started a certain chumrah, a certain minig, and she's doing it. You're like, wow, thank you. It's so nice. We're doing this together. You know where your leverage is with your wife? Let me tell you where your leverage is. I say this. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm thinking, should I say this on the air? I should only say this to the men. No, I'm saying this everywhere. That you know what your leverage is when it comes to your wife? Your leverage is when you can have her feel connected to you. Do you hear me? This is very important. You want leverage in the marriage? Have her feel connected to you. So if she's doing a certain chumrah that you're doing, and it's not necessarily because she believes in this chumrah, but she wants to connect to her husband. If her husband's doing it, I want to do it. I want to do this chumrah too. You say to her, wow, I feel like we're connected. Not, wow, you're doing this chumrah and Hashem is very proud of you. Sorry, that doesn't talk to every woman. What will talk to her, if you say to her, I feel so connected, like we're doing this together. I feel like we're one. I really feel like we're one now. That talks to your wife. Connection, bond, togetherness, oneness. That's what your wife is striving for. She has an automatic switch in her head that she wants to bond with you. That's what your wife has. It's this, this thing in her head. She wants to bond with you. It's a healthy thing. It's a good thing. That's your leverage. Not forcing her to do things. Not questioning her. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. This is what works. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Now, next. What else? Oh, so we're... Okay. Uh, we have so much to talk about. Thank you for listening today. Okay, this is good. And again, for those of you just listening, I, I Baruch Hashem was given a, a CD by by Rebruven, a guy in Rebruven Feinstein Schlitt, that he gave this. He gave me this. I asked for a bracha. putting together a workshop, and we're going to be talking about it more. And he gave me a beautiful, beautiful bracha. And he said to me, here, I have a marriage schmooze. Listen to this. Maybe you could get some things. I'm like, okay, I listened to it this morning. Actually, last night also. And I'm like, wow, this is so amazing. So what does he say? He is giving a class for a bunch of chasanim. Chasanim, people are going to get married, right? Men. And he asks them, he says to them, okay, I have a question for you. Listen, what's the question? He says, the question I have for you did you ask your kala the important questions of life? Did you ask your kala the really important questions? Everybody's looking at him like, oh, what's Rashiva going to say? You know, did you ask your kala if she likes the window open or she likes the window closed? Or if she wants the air conditioner on or the air conditioner off? Or if she's a morning person or a night person? Or if she's messy or if she's neat? And everybody's looking at the Rosh Hashiva and saying, like, like looking like puzzled. These are the important questions you ask your kahalo. What do you mean? Like, important questions are ashkafa, yerashamayim. And he's looking at them, and he says to them, and before I go, I have another question. Did you ask your kahalo whether she, when she squeezes the toothpaste, does she squeeze the toothpaste from the middle or from the end? And people are looking at him perplexed. And he says to them, you know, you're looking at me like I'm perplexed, like very, very perplexed. So he asks some of them, and again, I might not be quoting the story exactly, but he says to them, he says to them, so, so tell me, what did you ask your kala when you went out with her shidduch dating? What did you ask her? What were the important questions that you asked your kala? So one boy says, I asked her about where we're going to send our kids to yeshivas. Another boy said, I asked him, I asked her where she would want to live. Maybe she, you know, how important it is to work. You know, she want to live dafka in, in, in a, in a makam tire next to a big yeshiva or maybe whatever. And somebody else asks her, says, well, I spoke to her. We, we were speaking to her, about, uh, talking about ashkafa and, 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 and type, you know, type, the ways, type, ways that we relax and things that are awesome. And a mutter. He says, and you didn't ask, you didn't ask your kala if she wants the window open or close? He said, No. He says, and obviously you didn't ask because that's not important, right? That's not important. Everybody looks at, looks at her. She was like, yeah, it's not important. But they're not, they're not understanding. Like, you wanted us to ask. You didn't want us to ask. But then they sort of got it that he didn't want them to ask. But he's saying it just to bring out the point that it's really not so important if the, if the window is open or closed, if the air conditioning is higher or lower, or if she's a morning person or a night person, or she's going to squeeze the toothpaste in the middle or the end. And they like sort of got it. Like, obviously, these are not the important questions. But the Rosh Hashiva was trying to send a message to them. 
And what was the message to them? The message to them is, is that most of your problems in marriage are not going to be real problems. They're going to be problems that have been devised in your head, that your subconscious has made it into a problem, but it's not really a problem. So here's what happens. And Rashiva speaks about this. He says this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story. One of the Bachrim who was listening to this schmooze gets married. He gets married. There's a chasana. It's a beautiful, beautiful chasana. And what happens? You know, they have the Shana Rishona, the regular Shana Rishona problems. And one of the Shana Rishona problems they had is that he was a neat freak and his wife was, uh, you know, not saying she was a schlump, but she wasn't, you know, she used to leave things here, there, and it bothered him. It really bothered him. It really, really bothered him. And, you know, he'd go, he'd come to the house, the house was a mess, this and that. And it really, like, was irking him so much. It was so irking him. And he goes upstairs to his bedroom and he's like, you know, he's going and he's, and he's, he's getting in, you know, into his pajamas and whatnot. And he's like, okay, fine. He's going to go to the bathroom. He comes into the bathroom and he sees that his wife's things are all over the place. The makeup over here, a toothbrush over here, this, there, there, all over the place, shaitel, this, that. And he's getting so upset. He's getting so upset with his, with his wife, now his wife. He's ready. Oh, boy, is he upset. You know, the blood pressure goes up. Heartbeat starts going, right? He's got his hats on. And we always talk about he's got his hats on. Oh, boy, he's got his hats on. He looks, and he's about to brush his teeth. He takes out his toothbrush. He takes the toothpaste tube. He looks at the toothpaste stem. What does he see? He sees that his wife squeezed the toothpaste in the middle of the tube. Oh, boy, and he gets upset. He was so upset. He was ready to go outside and blast her, completely blast his wife for pushing the toothpaste tube. Obviously, he got upset these things. And as he's about to go to the outside and to scream at his wife, suddenly he remembers what the Rosh Hashiva says to him, and he starts laughing uncontrollably. He starts laughing uncontrollably. He starts laughing, wow, that the Rosh Hashiva has foresight. Wow, was he able to see how these things, which are not problems, we make such big problems. We make such big problems of the non-problems issues. Now, those of you who are listening to me, or listening to the past, we know that these problems, really what it stems for are attachment issues. You don't care about me. You're not there for me. But it's all facade. It's all one big facade, because of course your wife cares about you. Of course your husband cares about you. If he wouldn't care about you, he wouldn't go out to work every day for you and the family. He wouldn't come and spend so much time with the children. He wouldn't go to Kolel and earn all those chusim for the family. Of course he cares about you. What does he do? Sit in bed all day? He's constantly, most of his day is for you and the family. But you're upset because he didn't spend quality time with you. You're upset because he didn't leave you money. Or you're upset because he's not learning with the kids, which I'm not saying you shouldn't talk to him about these things. But think about it, ladies. And I'm going to talk to the men in a second. Think about it, ladies. Is he really such a bad guy? At the end of the day, everything he's doing is for you. His whole day, he's working hard for you. His whole day, he's thinking, maybe he's not thinking about you, but with the ch- how much time has he given for your children? Which, it's not just your children, it's you and his children. You're bonded with the kids, those of you who have kids. You're bonded with the kids. How much time and effort and selflessness and working and everything. He used to be a bachar. He could just stay in the dormitory and sleep. But now he's out all day for you and the family. So we got to look at the big picture. Men, now I'm talking to you. Your wife doesn't stop. So you're upset at her. Why? Because she put the thermostat high or low or because she, so she's not watching the bills. She spent $50 without telling you. She what? She, 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 she promised she takes your suit out of the cleaners and she forgot to do it. We're going to get all upset. Or because the house is a mess. Is that why you're upset? Because the house is a mess. The house is flying. But what is she doing all day? All day what she's doing is she's taking care of your children, if you have children. She's out there for you. Those of you ladies, wives are working. She's out working to help you with the Parnassah. It's not her responsibility. It's not her responsibility. She's helping you with the Parnassah. She's, she's, she's selfless, cleaning the house, laundry, cooking for you. Doesn't stop. What about all the big things? Look at the big picture. Don't have the like, narrow glasses and look at the small things. 
And that's what we have to focus on in our marriage. Now, of course, we get upset. I, I, I'm a very practical person. I know you get upset. Leave the premises. You got your hats on. Leave the premises. Don't hang around. Leave the premises. Give yourself time. Distract yourself. And then start thinking about who your wife really is. Start thinking about who your husband really is. He's not really such a bad guy. She's not such a bad, bad, bad woman. She's really not. Calm down. Chill out, as they say. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to get so upset. This is what Ruben was saying. People get so upset about toothpaste that it was squeezed. That's what you're getting upset. You're making big problems, which are not big problems. Big problems to what? What big problems? There's no big problems. He said something beautiful, something else beautiful. I want to share. I don't have time. Wow, we are so late. Thank you for listening. Okay. What else did he say? He says, and I want to talk about this next week also, Blina Adara. I want to talk about this now. He says that, that what? The Torah starts with the letter base. Talking about Reuven Feinstein Shlita, who says the following beautiful Dvar Torah. The Torah starts with the letter base. There's a reason, because the letter base is closed on three sides, and one side, the letter base is open. Okay? It's coming, Chazal tell us, coming to let us know that. Whatever happened before Briyas HaOlam, whatever happened before Kaddish Baruch created the world, we're not supposed to think about that. Our minds are not supposed to think about well, what happened before. What do you mean that Kaddish Baruch existed before? How does that work? That's, our minds are not capable for that. All you have to think is ahead. Don't think backwards. Think ahead. Think of now, but don't think backwards. Ruven says beautifully, he says like this, he says, when you're in a struggle with your husband or with your wife, think of that letter base. Don't think backwards. Don't bring up old stories. Don't be upset at what happened a year ago, two years ago, because it was exactly the same that's happening now. Don't, don't say, well, you promised me. Don't think backwards. Don't bring old stories. You know, and, and I speak about this, you know, I spoke about this a lot before I even heard of Ruben says, and I'm so happy that Ruben says this because I'm like, I feel validated. That what? that we don't want to bring up old stories. If you didn't bring, up, bring it up two years ago, don't bring it up now. If you resolved it two years ago, don't bring it up now. Think of the letter base. He says, think of the letter base. The letter base is open on one side. Your Hasidic letter base. It's open on one side. It's forward, forward thinking. Your brain, your subconscious brain, psychologically we know our subconscious plays games with us. It is going to want you to think about, well, three years ago, two years ago, or... Three weeks ago, don't think about that. Think about now. Think about the future. Think about Sholem. Have a loving theme in your relationship. And that, that's something that he was saying. That It's important, that loving theme. I talk about it all the time. So I, I feel so valued. I listen to Ruben speaking about this. The loving theme. Well, you know this, but when you hear from a gadol, it's like, wow. Keep that loving theme in your relationship. You keep that loving theme. How are you? How's everything? I think you're walking eggshells, but there's love in your house. There's ahava, true have, which is have giving. You're going to see so many problems are going to go away. So many problems are going to go away. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MSMFT. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, 917-397-2841, 917-397-2841. Thank you. Have a great Shabbos and an amazing week.